All right, everybody, welcome into another episode of Mark Sports Talk. I'm your host, Mark Dagenhart. I want to remind you, if you like the show, it's available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. But let's get into the show. All right, I was on Twitter, and I saw they had this new feature called Chatter, where it's basically like Facebook Live, uh, except for multiple people. Yeah, multiple people are talking at once. Uh, you can listen, or you can turn on your mic, and... One of the topics that everyone was talking about, it was college football chatter. It was it was a topic where everybody in, in the room was talking about college football. And and everybody, I, I, didn't, I didn't talk. I just listened. I wanted to observe the room before I talked. And, and after I listened for a little bit, I didn't want to speak. I mean, they got on the topic of NIL and how they thought it was going to ruin the sport of college football, ruin the game that they love. And and I got to say I don't I don't agree with this. I think this potentially keeps uh more players at school longer. So many times you had, you know, people saying they had to, you know, provide for their family or, you know, I, I'm ready for the next level. I want to I want to make money. I'm ready to make money instead of going to school. All the excuses or all the reasons that people have had, I think this is one way to keep them on campus for an additional one to two years. You have guys leaving their third year on campus. That may be redshirt sophomore year. You may not have got enough film, but you're so quick to get out the door. Maybe with NIL, you're not so quick to get out the door. Maybe with NIL, there's built-in stipulations to not opting out of bowl games. I mean, I think that would be a great thing because the NIL would work in both ways as far as keeping players on campus longer and it would keep them in games playing in bowl games that actually do matter. A lot of people say they don't matter, but to, you know, even the the average college football fan, I feel like they enjoy bowl games in you know December and January and I think it's something to look forward to every year and somebody that you know the the avid you know college football fan takes note of every bowl game every rivalry that's what makes the sport great but I think NIL I mean one thing that they were complaining about was how they're going to waste their money and one of the people in the chatter room was actually in high school and said that that was a a great point that was brought up that uh being able to manage your money is something that is lacking as far as being taught to kids in school and and he thought that that needed to be added uh, that's interesting that's interesting but one thing that I kept hearing these grown men for the most part if there was a woman in there she wasn't talking but these grown men telling these these 18 19 year olds uh, why they shouldn't get money because they don't they won't know what to do with it they they won't know how how to use it properly they'll spend it all they compared them to uh you know Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Antoine Walker and uh and and just people that have lost their money altogether well at this point it really doesn't matter because if your incentive is to get an education and to get paid, this solves both. You can get an education, and if you work hard, you can get an education in three years. You can get a bachelor's degree in three years, and this solves 
a lot of things. Because if you lose this NIL money, big deal. You graduate and potentially go to the NFL where you get big money. Or you in, you're introduced into the real world and you get a job with the networking that you got through going to a Division I football program or to just a football program in general. You network, you, you have your bachelor's degree, and a lot of times you're set up with a job right, right, out, of, right out of college. Not always, but there's professors, there's grants, there's things that work in your favor from the university that you go to. But that's not for everyone. That's not for every school. But it's something that I want people to think about if there was enough people to actually think about this. But why does it matter? Let them, let them spend their money. Because if they spend it poorly and they make poor decisions, they're going to get in trouble. Right? You know, they have a higher risk of making bad decisions and getting caught with something or doing something they shouldn't do. And this is a way of teaching people how, because these are people, they're, they're adults at this point. That's, that's also an interesting thing. Can a, can a, can a Division One student athlete that is 17 years old, that has arrived on campus, you know, for, for instance, Ewers, the quarterback at... Uh, Ohio State that reclassified and skipped his senior year and enrolled at Ohio State. He's got to be 17. Can he sign an endorsement deal being a minor? But these are these are 18, 19, 20, 24-year-old people going to school, getting an education. They're getting endorsements off of their name, image, and likeness off of the university that they attend and the sport that they play. And their play on the field and their, basically their play on the classroom. You're not seeing people that are, you know, well, first of all, all the athletes have to maintain a certain GPA uh, to, to be able to play. So this just sets people up for success. And you have countless people getting NIL deals in multiple different sports, men, women's track and field. I mean, the swim team, everyone is getting deals. And this is helping them. All these things saying, hey, you should pay the players, this is kind of silence that. They're getting paid. I don't think there's any other form of payment that they will be able to complain about or saying, hey, we need to get paid by the, the individual universities. I think that could come in the future based on what the conference realignments are going to look like in the future. But... I would not be surprised if the conference realignment kind of settled pretty quickly. You've got the alliance going on with the Pac-12, the Big Ten, and the ACC. You've got the SEC that has strengthened by adding Texas and Oklahoma. And it's to be determined when that will actually take an effect based on the TV contracts and contracts with the, the Big 12. It will be 2025, but I think it happens much sooner, as I've stated previously. So... I think the Big 12 is going to, to make some moves. There may be one or two conferences make moves, you know, total. And outside of that, conferences are just going to exist after that. I don't think they'll compete much, but you may see some complaint for payment after, after that point, after basically a huge merger in these universities and conferences 
have all these this TV money coming in, and you've got the college football playoff money that's its own stream of revenue, and these universities are profiting a lot of money. So I can see the argument, but this right now, the NIL virtually eliminates that. In week zero, while I was watching UCLA beat Hawaii, I saw a Dr. Pepper commercial with Clemson starting quarterback DJ Ungalele. I probably butchered that, but I haven't practiced it. Uh, he had an endorsement. He had a commercial with Dr. Pepper. He's making six figures. Bryce Young, the, the starting quarterback for Alabama, is making six figures and hasn't even taken a snap. Now, that's a recruiting tool in itself. And right now, I mean, other than the fact that you're probably going to produce at an early start in your career, he's a redshirt freshman. So he has this year and next year, and then he can go pro. So I don't think for players like that, the NIL is going to keep players around for those type of upper echelon players. The top 10 picks normally are not going to stay in and I would be shocked to see the amount of players that potentially would come back. Like, say, hey, I'm getting 500000 from, you know, X company, and I've got this amount of insurance out on me, and I'm a top 20 draft pick right now. If I come back and play another year, I'll have a great time. I'll play with my teammates and coaches. I'll get a great education. I can improve my draft stock to be a lottery. I mean, set your goals high. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see if there were the ambitious people that, you know, instead of being a first-round pick, you know, in like 25 range, they come back for their senior year to become a, a top 10 pick. I mean, it's, it's interesting because that is an increase in money. But that's the NIL talk. I mean, if you're complaining about this ruining your sport, if you don't think the players are going to know what to do with their money, some of them won't. Some of them will. Some of them will be smart about it. I mean, if you remember when you were a college, you know, student, I remember when I was a freshman, I went without food for for quite a bit. <laughs> I had my meal plan, and and that was scheduled out throughout the the semester, and oh boy, <laughs> I I would love to be able to just say, oh hey, I have an endorsement with Wright's Barbecue. I can go there and get some free food uh, by by signing this deal once maybe a week. I don't know. That sounds like a good deal to me as a freshman. Uh, if if I could sign a, uh, a sponsorship with somebody to where I get, you know, $200 a month, I'm, I'm down for that. That would have increased the, su- the success rate and the, the just overall experience as a, as a freshman, as a student. I, I, I think it could be interesting to open the NIL up as far as uh, certain companies with certain really intellectual, uh, intelligent people. I mean, they're going to get grants on their own, but that's another wormhole. Don't get me going down that. So NIL, it shouldn't matter. Let them spend their money. Let them mess up. That's the ebb and flow of college sports and sports overall. Pro sports, when they have money, you have guys that mess up. They get suspended. DUIs happen. I don't know. They get, you know, you know, banned substances. I don't know. 
you get caught speeding because you're ultimately drunk or maybe you had some sort of legal weapon that you weren't supposed to have. I don't know. But this type of thing happens in the pros. If you get it out of the way now, maybe teams dodge, uh, you know, character risks by seeing this happen in the college era. You know, it's it's one thing to look at from a different perspective. I, I think there's a lot of ways that this can improve the sport. I think there's, you know, a few ways that could hurt it. Only time will tell. And we're early on in this thing. So give the kids a break. Let them have some money while they're going through class, while they're being a person and having a, you know, trying to have a social life and also adhering to the athletic schedule that the SEC and most of the country has in any conference as far as your meetings and your practice and your, you know, going to class, your food. All of that combined, I think the NIL is a great thing for them. I don't think, I didn't think there was huge amounts of money going to be coming, but I mean, I guess there's no limit to the amount of sponsorships you can get. Obviously, Bryce Young, the quarterback at, at uh, Alabama, hasn't even played. We saw what uh, DJ Ungalele did last season. Uh, Bryce Young hasn't hasn't played much, um, so we don't really know. I don't I don't know I don't know what I'm expecting out of him. But we'll get onto that in the next segment. How Brad Crawford of two four two four seven Sports ranked all fourteen starting SEC quarterbacks, and we're going to get into that next. So Brad Crawford of 247 Sports ranked the top 14 SEC quarterbacks, the starting quarterbacks. And if you're a Razorback fan, lots of people have reacted on Twitter, and it's not favorable. K.J. Jefferson is 14th. I'll go through the list really quickly, but Vanderbilt's Ken Seals is 13th, ahead of K.J. Jefferson. I guarantee you, if Arkansas and Vanderbilt play, if they played this season, Arkansas would beat Vanderbilt. K.J. Jefferson would have at least a performance that would contribute in his team winning and would outshine, therefore, Ken Seals and Vanderbilt. I think maybe this is just, hey, a little nod to to Vanderbilt as far as Ken Seals. He's a pretty decent quarterback. He's a young guy. They're, you know expected to kind of build around him for this team and I think that's not really fair I mean hey I like it as far as bulletin board material this is nothing but motivation for KJ Jefferson when he wins some sort of award or beats somebody that he's not supposed to be uh not supposed to beat um he could say hey this is what you get whenever you're the 14th best I mean any any phrase that he wants to come up with there's there there's motivation for that the the twelfth and eleventh picked quarterbacks i i don't i don't understand all right um luke doty south carolina's third is twelfth and will rogers as eleventh of mississippi state i mean will rogers missed a lot of time in the spring and in the summer due to covid and late late uh late fall and and spring he he missed a lot of time due to covid he was in and out of the lineup last season and i mean just comparing him to kj jefferson since this is primarily a razorback talk show right now and just comparing him to kj jefferson kj jefferson 
you know, the Razorbacks beat Will Rogers. Maybe, yeah, K.J. Jefferson wasn't starting, but I'll be interested to see how that game unfolds this season. Every team that Arkansas plays on this list, which is, you know, at least eight of them, <laughs> that K.J. Jefferson can circle and have extra motivation to outperform that quarterback. So K.J. Jefferson's 14th, Kendra, Ken Seals of Vanderbilt is 13th, uh, Luke Doty of South Carolina is 12th, and the guy's not even starting opening uh, week opening game. He's injured. Um, you had a you had a graduate assistant that is you know had one year of eligibility, but he was a coach before a couple of weeks ago. He was a coach. Now he's starting. He's the starting quarterback for South Carolina due to injury. I mean, I'm not going to judge him too ju judge uh, South Carolina too poorly. The guy had experience at Iowa State and then transferred to North Dakota State. And this is his third team and his last year of eligibility. What I've heard is he's just expected to be a game manager because he knows his offense better than anyone else and basically hold the ship together until Luke Doty can get back from injury. Uh, Luke Doty, he, I mean, he's, a, he's an athletic guy. He can uh, create and make plays. He can see over the line and, and throw the ball deep. So uh, I can see some of these ranking based on schedule as far as your you know your ranking based on performance. But I don't I don't get that. And then Will Rogers at, at 11th. So we move on to 10th, and I believe that's 10th is Joe Milton, the Michigan transfer that was recently named starting quarterback at Tennessee, and. I mean, this is based on projection. He got his first start last year at Michigan. I mean, a lot of these spots, as far as ranking, are based on projection, where you think that they're going to play and be. And almost as a team, where do you think their team's going to perform? You notice Vanderbilt and Arkansas were the last two picks. But on the Milton, the guy's a very physical quarterback. And he has the ability to throw the ball, especially in this, in this offense with uh, Josh Heupel. So I'm interested to see how he performs. I'm interested to see how Tennessee performs. They've been gutted due to the transfer portal and due to all the, you know, uh, allegations of, you know, bowl bans and sanctions, loss of scholarships. So you've got a completely new athletic department there. And it's interesting there's a lot of hype, and there's a lot of hype on the recruiting trail, so they could have things turned around pretty quickly. But Joe Milton coming in at 10, interesting enough, uh, you haven't even taken a snap. You've only been named starting quarterback for a week, yet he's 10th, 10th out of 14. And on to, on to 9. 9 is much like Joe, uh, Joe Milton. 9 is Will Levis, the Kentucky quarterback that, was name starter and basically forced Joey Gatewood to transfer. And this guy, Levis, is a, a pro-style quarterback, and he is, well, he's, he's, he's fit for this offense. He's a transfer for, from Penn State, and the weapons that they've brought in due to the transfer portal and recruiting and the line that they have, Kentucky, Darian Kennard, and Darry Rosenthal has one of the best offensive tackle combos in the country so do not sleep on Kentucky I've heard some people out there talking down on Kentucky Kentucky is a very experienced tenured coaching staff that 
knows their team well, and their team has a lot of talent, a lot of experience themselves. And I would not be surprised to see them, you know, compete in the East as far as, you know, maybe being the second, third best team. Uh, Missouri, Florida, Georgia, they're all in the mix for the, those those rankings, those, you know, jockeying for position in, in the in the division. But Will Levis is interesting as well. That's an even further jump than to me than Joe Milton because the entire offensive scheme is being revamped at Kentucky. They went from being a ground and pound pro style like drop back passer to having now a more open up tempo type air raid offense and it's it's something that they didn't even run last season and now you didn't even have this guy as a starter. He wasn't even on the team. I mean, I guess that's a good thing as far as transitioning in this new offense. Maybe that gives him an edge as far as having a little bit firmer grasp and better handle than the rest of the team and allows him to be a leader much quicker. So I guess I can understand that. I haven't really rearranged this list for my own ranking, but we'll move on now. And Connor Bazelak. Connor Bazelak is number eight. Connor, call my number eight. Bazelak, that guy, uh, Missouri. Don't, I'm not a fan. Not a fan at all in Missouri. Haven't been for a long time. I like the rivalry. It's not very big in, among Razorback fans. But I like the fact that they, they've kind of poked at us and, and basically slapped us around a couple times. And that's that's how I feel like a rivalry starts, especially if you don't think that if you think you're you know, they're beneath you, or if you're not you don't even think this is a rivalry. If you don't think it is a rivalry and you continue to play that team and they continue to beat you, it's not going to be a rivalry. They're going to own you. So Arkansas needs to do something very, very quickly. And the fact that Arkansas's starting quarterback, KJ Jefferson, got his first start in Missouri, and performed wonderfully, had some really highlight-type plays, some Sports Center Top 10-type plays, and just the defense was not able to hold up that up-tempo offense. You had guys, it was late in the season, you had guys out to COVID, you got, had guys out to other injuries. You know, Grant Morgan and Bumper Pool, poor Bumper Pool's playing with broken ribs, and Bumper Pool and Grant Morgan are taking most of the snaps. Hayden Henry's, you know, he's he's taking snaps too, but I mean, he's lamed up with a bad shoulder. I mean, those guys are healthy now, and I expect the defense to be able to, to keep up with some of these offenses, and don't think that K.J. Jefferson's first start going to an L at Missouri, don't think that he, he doesn't have that game circled, especially with Connor Bazelak ranked ahead of him, one of those teams ranked ahead of him. So that's your back eight, or your back seven, as the top 14. And now I'm going to start with number seven. Bo Nix, Alabama. This guy I'm not impressed with. This guy was a big fish in a little pond in high school. He got the big recruiting. He got the big offer list. You know, he was going somewhere in the SEC. And he goes to Auburn, and I have not been impressed since he's been there. I mean, sure, he's flashed, but he's playing on Auburn in the SEC. You're going to flash if you've got any kind of talent. He does have some sort of talent, but man, is he inconsistent. And maybe it's been the offense that he's played under in uh, Coach Malzahn's offense, uh, but, you know, Malzahn's not there anymore. But things have not transitioned well in the new Brian Harson era. And it does not look, you know, 
all that favorable. I'm not that high on Auburn. I think Auburn may be one of the bottom dwellers in this league, at least if you talk about top 14. They may be one of the 8 through 14. That's how much I think of Auburn. But Bo Nix, even worse. I mean, you do have freshman, uh, or you have a transfer uh, in TJ Finley that came from LSU. So you've got a capable backup. It'd be interesting to see Auburn with that type of, you know, physical body at quarterback back there in this new scheme offense. So interesting to see there. So that's number seven with Bo Nix. Number six, Haynes King. This guy was recently named a starting quarterback in a quarterback battle, and he's still a freshman. He's a redshirt freshman. Uh, this is based on, this is another one of those projection picks. You're projecting how good this guy's going to be based on his uh, recruit ranking, based on the way his team performed last season, the amount of players that came back, the players that they added in recruiting. I mean, this, I mean, it makes sense. You're projecting all that. They're, A&M's ranked sixth in the nation. They're probably going to have a good season. They have a great offensive line. They have a great defensive line. And they got sp- skill position players at wide receiver and running back. So he's set up for success, much like I think K.J. Jefferson's set up for success, but he's set up for success at a much higher level. Uh, Texas A&M is, is one of those universities that's, or they're, they're one of those teams that are about to, to jump a tier. I mean, I think they're pretty much there. They're on top, and they're just waiting to fall over to the next tier as far as great teams. And with that, we move on to Emory Jones. Emory Jones is number five. He's the quarterback at, at Florida. I think there's been a lot of window dressing as far as the way that Dan Mullen talks about Anthony Richardson in press conferences. I mean, he does prepare two starting quarterbacks throughout camp. And it is very smart. And they do have the talent, and he's very capable in doing this. So he very, very well may have been telling the truth about Anthony Richardson. But Emory Jones is the starter right now, and he's listed fifth on this. There's a lot of projection based on that because you didn't see much of Emory Jones. You saw him in the SEC Championship game, so he has played in big game moments. And the guy's athletic. He's not the biggest guy, but he's fast. I expect Florida to run the ball a lot more this season with the absence of Kyle Trask, which is completely a a clash in schemes as far as what Dan Mullen wants to do. Dan Mullen wants to run the ball. He wants to run the ball more than than he does pass the ball, especially a quarterback. I mean, if you look back at Nick Nick Fitzgerald and Dak Prescott, those guys were running – threats they were running threats and they were passing threats and he won with them and and I'm excited to see what he could do with Emory Jones but I think there's a little bit more potential in the SEC for Anthony Richardson so that list right now goes to Emory Jones at Florida a lot of potential a lot of a lot of projection there another projection and we move to number four and Max Johnson Max Johnson saw a lot of action at the end of the season last year He's essentially been given the starting job by due to, by way of injury, so you wonder how that has impacted maybe his competitiveness. Maybe maybe he let off the gas just a little bit. His competition's not as stiff, so maybe I don't have to play as hard. Uh, I wonder. I mean, you haven't seen him in a full season. You saw him in a COVID year. We're 
in approaching this season like it is post-COVID. There's still COVID protocols as far as testing and your forfeitures if you don't have the players, but we're going to have full capacity in a lot of stadiums across the country. We're going to have full schedules with non-conference games, and if you can't play, you can't play. There's no postponing it, so I'm excited to see that. Max Johnson, the one reason why I bring that up is you saw this guy as a freshman perform, and he flashed. Can he do it in the long term? Can he do it when everybody's seen his game film, when everybody's seen him perform before, and they know how he has his strengths and how to attack his weaknesses and how to where you can find you know LSU's weaknesses? It'd be interesting to uh, to dive d- down into that. But we're gonna know a little bit more about LSU's weaknesses in Week One when they play UCLA in the Rose Bowl, and then with that we move on to Bryce Young at number five. Bryce Young at number five is obviously one of the biggest projections, but also it's also a shock to me a little bit as far as the team that he's on. You expect the team to carry you a little bit as far as if you have a great supporting cast, as far as a great defense, great coaching staff, a great offensive line and skilled position players, you would expect this to this guy to be, you know, ranked a little bit higher than fifth. So fifth Alabama, Bryce Young, doesn't make a little, you know, it makes a little sense as far as the projection that you're seeing. There wasn't much competition. You've got, you know, a guy like Jalen Milrow, Paul Tyson. You know, there's lots, lots of talented quarterbacks in that offense that could run this offense. And I think they're, they're going with the guy that can run it the best and has the most upside. And I think that is Bryce, Bryce Young. So now we're going to move on. We're moving on to... Oh, pardon me, pardon me. Bryce Young is not fifth. Bryce Young is third. But still, my point is valid with him being third when you think about the next two. The next two, I think, are, in my opinion, you should have reversed them. Matt Corral was number two. Ole Miss quarterback. He was voted preseason SEC Offensive Player of the Year. He was first team, first team All-SEC quarterback. And... He had a great season last year. Uh, Not against Arkansas, he didn't, but I guess why do you give all that type of uh, hype preseason-wise, SEC-wise? Well, how do you look at that last season? How do you look at and and, and put him second, especially the guy that he's second to, JT Daniels at Georgia. JT Daniels at Georgia is ranked the number one quarterback in the SEC. And mind you, he is returning with a lot of experience. I believe he's a redshirt junior, redshirt senior. So he's an upperclassman. He did come off of an injury last season, which prevented him from starting early on. And that may have benefited him. But Eric Gilbert is still yet to join George's team. They've had a lot of injuries in their skill position players. And a lot of them are coming back. A lot of them are coming back from injuries. So I'm not, I'm not saying... I'm not saying they don't have talent there. They do have talent there. But I wasn't all too impressed with them last season. When they did get it rolling with JT Daniels late in the season, they were a bit more impressive. But with that talent, with that roster, with that defense, I expected more. And I think I'm going to get more. I think I think Georgia's going to beat Clemson. I think, honestly, after what I've read today, I think there's a little bit of uncertainty about the offensive line of Clemson. I think 
they have a great team, and I think they have the potential to win the national championship, and obviously they're going to be one of the four best teams. I, I think so. But Georgia's the type of team that you can lose to in week one and still win the rest of your schedule and be in the top four. It'll be interesting, though, to see how things go with another season of, uh, you know, a few one-loss teams, and then how do we decide the, the four? Who's the fifth person out? Who's the fifth wheel out? But that's my rankings, and I think uh, that's 24-7 Brad Crawford's rankings. And I there's, a lot of, there's a lot of outrage from a lot of different schools about their rankings. I think, honestly, there's a lot of projection picks in here. I guess there's not really any other way that you can do it based on projection, based on our teams. But uh, Matt Corral, why do you get all the preseason hype, but no no hype on this 24-7 uh, sports ranking? Uh, if I had to do it really quick, if I had to do this list, I would swap Matt Corral and JT Daniels. I'd leave Bryce Young where he's at. I'd probably... Yeah, I'd leave Max Johnson where he's at at four. I'd leave Emory Johnson where he, or Jones where he's at at five. I'd leave Haynes King where he's at at six. Bo Nix, to me, falls. He falls. I think you move Connor Bazelak to seven. I think uh, I think Bo Nix is, is maybe eight. And then I think uh, K.J. Jefferson, nine. And, I mean, I, I, I sound like a homer here by moving him up five spots but you have guys that are injured you have guys that have never played in the sec that have never even played in the offensive schemes that they're playing in so how can you project them to be better than kj jefferson in a scheme that he's coming back in twice and he has a lot of experience coming back and a lot of size coming back on his offensive line a lot of experience in this skilled position room so I just think that K.J. Jefferson and Arkansas get a little overlooked. Maybe it's me. Maybe I'm a homer because I'm a Razorback fan. But I've definitely seen the national snub from, you know, the media for the University of Arkansas. All right, everyone, that's it for today's show. I hope you like what you heard. If you did, share it with someone that you think will like it. Give it a follow on Twitter at Mark Sports Talk. Give the show a like. Give me a five-star rating. I'd love that. Give a written review. It helps the algorithm spread out and have more people reach the show. Uh, if you want to interact with the show, uh, hit me up at MarkSportsTalk at gmail.com. Once again, Mark Sports Talk is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many, many others. That's it for today's show, everybody. I'll see you tomorrow.